Special Agent Ray Page enters the interrogation room and takes the magazine out of Nanny's hands. Nanny meets his gaze with twinkling eyes and a smile dancing on her lips. Nanny says, Oh, you are a handsome young man, but if you think I hurt anybody, I'm afraid that you're as good-looking as you are foolish. Ray responds, Do you believe in ghosts, Nanny? Nanny looks at him, stunned. Ray continues, a few years doing my job, you start to believe in them. They don't haunt places, you see. They haunt people. I meet a lot of haunted people doing my job. People that have done wrong and know that they have done wrong. Nanny giggles. <laughs> I keep telling you, boys. I don't know what you're talking about. Ray asks, how many husbands have you killed, Nanny? How many of their ghosts are in this room with us right now? Nanny's eyes lost their sparkle, but not their lurking black abyss. She sighed, but said nothing. Ray tells her, We can do this the hard way, with me running around the country, gathering up the evidence of all the folks that you killed. If I have to do that, then I'll be pushing for the death penalty. But if you admit that you've done them, things will go a little easier on you. Nanny giggles again. <laughs> all right, all right. I put rat poison in his coffee. He was a miser of a man. He wouldn't let me watch my shows on television. He wouldn't let me run the fan, even on the hottest nights. I mean... What woman could live in circumstances like that? Ray chides. He sounds very cruel, Nanny. Nanny giggles again. <laughs> there you have it. Now my conscience is clear. Can I have my magazine back now? Ray replies, if you tell us about your other husbands, I'll be happy to give it back to you. Nanny looks at him and winks. You promise? Ray, internally excited, says, I promise. Now tell me about Morton. Hello, once again, and welcome back to another edition of Hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I'm Zach, and joining me is Lindy, as usual, and today we're going to talk about Nanny. Nanny. Nanny is, uh, uh, here's the weird thing for me is that's what my, my kids call my wife's mom, mom. So she, I've got a nanny in my family. So I can, oh, I'm just, interesting. I'm just imagining nanny doing some of these awful things <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of, kind of creepy, a little creepy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. I, I would put, I would put this, this particular crazy lady up there with like she's not quite as brutal as bell gunnis but oh yeah no yeah. no bell gunnis was definitely brutal nanny yeah. was brutal in her own way yeah if you didn't give her what she wanted eh, you got taken care of you might not find yourself waking up in the morning <laughs> yeah she'd make you forget about it so. <laughs> for sure <laughs> uh thank you everybody that continues to like rate and review the podcast if you want to help out the podcast that's the number one thing you can do is go go rate it uh wherever you're getting your your podcasts all right lindy let's just do this let's just all right let's knock this out let's knock this lady out before she takes us out <laughs> 
Absolutely. All right, here we go. Blue Mountain, Alabama is a little town full of miserable people. James Hazel was no exception. He was a prideful man who had inherited a few acres of dirt and some shitty little outbuildings. He had some savings and a few dairy cows, but not enough to get the inherited farm running. And no banks would lend him what he needed to get the job done either. What? What? Okay. Dirt farmer. I mean, that's like as low as you can go, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. when you don't even have crops, it's like, well, I got a farm. Uh, we got some dirt on it. Mm-hmm. Pretty, uh, pretty bad. Yeah, the, the farm hadn't been very well taken care of prior to him. It had been pretty much mortgaged to the hill, and he couldn't sell it. He couldn't do anything with it, so. He just stuck. Yeah, he was he was literally just stuck, and he, you know, pride. He really didn't want to just let it go, so. Well, maybe you should have. <laughs> yeah, yes. Life might have been a little different for a few people. Yeah, it could have. Yeah. This same miserable town was home to a young woman named Louisa Holder, who was in a bad way. She was pregnant out of wedlock, and her father was the type of man who had no problem beating his kids. Instead of beating her until the problem cured itself, her father kicked her out of the family. Not just the family home, out of the family. Uh, And he wouldn't allow her back until she gave up the name of the man who'd gotten her pregnant. Lou never gave up the name. Instead, she took odd jobs and was always in arrears on rent and other bills, and she was barely able to feed herself. Now, this, 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 the father supposedly was like a an army person, correct? Someone in the army? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lou gave birth to a baby girl that she named Nancy on November 4th, 1905. And according to the community, Lou was a ruined woman. That is until about a week after she gave birth to Nancy, when she received a letter of proposal from a local farmer. Lou accepted, she wed James Hazel, and settled into her new life before the year was over. Wow. Yeah, pretty fast, pretty fast marriage there. I think it was, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't a real looker either, right? Like, oh no. Okay. So, so it was basically like, look. I'll take you if you'll take me and it's, we'll make the the best of a bad situation here. It was one of those deals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He needed people to work on the farm and she needed to not be ruined. I'm going to, I'm done the math here. And I think we need approximately 5.7 children to, (laughs) to be our manual slave labor in order to make money on this piece of property. (laughs) Yeah, basically. It's about the only thing James was good at calculating. Yeah. So James was not an affectionate man. And as soon as he and Lou were married, he put her to work. If something wasn't done to his liking, he would lash out at her verbally. And then he would grab his cattle cane and beat her. Holy Nikes. Yeah. Nancy, who was known even then as Nanny, was mostly ignored. She was just an obstacle to be navigated while the dirt. Adults were working to get the farm back on its feet. Until she's old enough to work, right? Yeah. From just about the time she could walk, uh, Nanny was started to to be handed tasks. If she could not complete those tasks in a timely manner, she was given the same punishment as her mother. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
James and Lou timed their pregnancies so that Lou wouldn't be away during the harvest. And Lou gave birth to one boy and three more girls. So I was, I was, I was pretty dead on there with the uh, winning yeah. this many. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Five in total. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Nanny cared for her siblings like a mother should and still had farm chores to take care of. So she's sister. Yeah. Being mother. Up in the morning, out in the garden. Pick you up mm-hmm. and don't get a harden. Homegrown <laughs> tomatoes. Uh, Nanny was only allowed to attend school in the winter months, and that left her behind academically. She was bullied in school for being poor and introverted, but she, she did end up, as her siblings got older, she was able to start attending school more often, and she fought really hard to be able to read and write. Yeah. So reading was her favorite subject, which was not surprising since it allowed her to slip away from her real life, if only momentarily. Everybody needs an escape. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In the spring of 1912, a particularly bad storm drove the family away from the farm. They hopped on a train to head to a relative's house. And Lou, knowing how much her daughter Nanny loved reading her romance novels, even though Nanny was only seven. Whoa, 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 Lou whoa. Brought... She's, re- she's reading romance novels at seven? At seven. Mm-hmm. Harlots. So... Little harlots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, Lou brought along a few of her novels to keep her oldest daughter occupied on the train ride. Nanny had just gotten lost in the story when everything suddenly went black. The young girl awoke at her uncle's house and flew into hysterics from her pain, the pain in her head, mm-hmm. and the confusion of how she'd gotten there. So her mother came into the room, finally hearing that Nanny had woken up, and she placed a cold compress to Nanny's head, which almost caused Nanny to pass back out because of the pain from the, the yeah. pressure. When Nanny finally calmed down, her mother was able to explain to her that the storm had caused a tree to come down on the tracks, which caused the driver to slam on the brakes. Nanny had been seated directly behind a metal bar, and when the brakes were slammed, Nanny was thrown from her seat directly into the bar. So this kid got severely concussed. What do we know about people that have concussions? It fucks their brain up. It fucks their brain up. Yes. So at seven, she was knocked unconscious and she was left with permanent brain damage. For the rest of her life, she suffered from migraines, depression, blackout, dark moods, and rage. So this wasn't like the good kind of like Roseanne Barr concussion where you wake up and you can't remember math anymore, but damn, you're funny. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Uh, damn, she was pissed. (laughs) Just, uh, just an angry beaver. Got it. Yes. James being father of the year would not allow Lou to spend the funds or take the hands away to take nanny to the hospital. And as soon as they got home, he put nanny right back to work. So Nanny began to realize that James treated her differently than he treated his biological children. Of course. Yeah. 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 And she fucking hated him for it. She said that he believed that he was God. And since she was now becoming his enemy, 
That made her the devil, Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) The devil. The devil. James was overly possessive of his girls and would not allow them to do things that made them any more attractive. So they weren't allowed to wear pretty dresses. He kept them in like dress bag type garb, like gunny sack type material, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were not allowed to fix up their hair or wear makeup. And if they needed to go to town, they were required to take either himself or their brother with them as a chaperone. So the men could protect the girl's purity. Well, protect the girl's purity from everyone except for his own family. That is. Yeah. I heard about this part. It's kind of gross. Yeah. Um, So James did go to great lengths to protect his biological daughters. And if someone happened to touch them, it would be James came uncorked. There were, you know, he obviously was a quite violent man. So he would do whatever means necessary to keep his family members away from his biological, biological daughters. But if he caught a relative trying something with nanny, it was her fault, right? Actually doing something to nanny. Yeah. It was, it was blamed on her. She was punished. That is sick. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. And she was sent away. But this was really, really common back then. Well, you can't, don't go hang out with Uncle Bo Cephas over there. You know, you, you can't be going on over there for hanging out with him because, you know, you might you might not come back pure. Mm-hmm. That's scary yeah. shit. That is scary shit. Yeah, it shit. was very common at the times, but I am glad that we have grown since then because that's just vile. That's just vile. <laughs> yeah. But there's your uncle, grandpa, brother, slash, uh, Daddy boy, uh, bro, bro jingles over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of them we can't figure out, but you know, you look like him. Ugh. Yeah. Right. Scary yeah. shit. So at only 15, Nanny was already desperate to find a romance that would take her away from her hell. So she's she been, started. She's been reading the romance novels a lot then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And she, she figured that that was going to be her only way out. But, you know, they lived in a desolate area of their state and there weren't really any men around. Wasn't so when any suitors to her yeah. liking. Yeah. Yeah. So to try and get someone to her, she started to answer the Lonely Hearts ads. Um, she would snatch them from her father's newspaper when he was done. She never received a response um, that she knew of. They don't know if maybe letters were intercepted, but she doesn't believe that she had received any responses. And so Nanny formulated another plan and she prepared an argument to present to her father for why she should be able to go out and obtain regular employment. She told him it would be good to have a steady income from a source Outside of the farm, just in case, because the farm wasn't lucrative in any way, shape or form. They barely made ends meet. Right. They barely kept food on the table. So she was like, it it would be good to have, you know, what happens? We're, we're always struggling in the off season. Right. So now I we mean, have... we're always struggling, but we're especially struggling in the off season. Let me go get income. And this, this was one of the only languages that this, that her stepfather spoke. So mm-hmm. it, it made logical Money. sense. Mon- monetarily so he was like well all right dan mm-hmm. 
Yep. Yeah. He couldn't find a good reason to say no. So he allowed Nanny to go out and find a job. She was hired on at the linen thread mill and she became popular quickly. Nanny uh, in her youth was actually exceptionally beautiful. And she was a liquor. She's a liquor. She, she was, she was, (laughs) um, she, it didn't, it didn't take very long for men to start noticing her, not just at work, but around town. Yeah. Um, and when she went to work, she also took up smoking so that she would have an excuse to be able to go out on breaks with everyone so that she could talk and communicate because it was something she didn't receive at home. She was catcalling to all the boys. Hey, good uh-huh. looking. What are you doing tonight? Woo! <laughs> yeah, One of them. Come see what I've got cooking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she met Charlie Braggs, who became smitten with her, to say the least. And Charlie showed up at her house and was able to win over her parents. Nanny married Charlie four months later. Wow. Feeling as though she hadn't really had a choice, but rather it's a way had out. been bid on. Yeah. And since she was, or since he was the only bidder, he won. Yeah. Uh, their wedding night was, let's just say it wasn't what Nanny had envisioned. It wasn't like one of her romance novels. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, when she went downstairs in the morning, she was given quite the shock. There was an older woman seated at her new kitchen table. And the woman demanded that Nanny be a good wife and get breakfast prepared. Whoa. This was Nanny's introduction to her mother-in-law. Charlie's mom, yeah. Charlie's sounds, mom, And yes. it sounds like Charlie's mom was just like, you know what? I did my time. I raised my kids. Now you can feed me too. Huh. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm. Yep. So Charlie came down and he ignored Nanny completely. He walked straight over to the old woman and placed a loving kiss on her forehead. When Nanny was finally able to get Charlie alone, she asked when Mother Braggs would be going home. Charlie looked at his new wife, smiled, and informed her that his mother was home. You can check out any time you like, but... You can never leave. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So turns out Charlie was a mama's boy through and through. Oh, wow. Mother Braggs was extremely critical of Nanny when Charlie was around. And she was an absolute tyrant when he wasn't. She made Nanny's life hell to say the very least. Probably loved every minute of it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, The old woman wouldn't let nanny keep her novels around because reading romance novels was akin to infidelity. Oh, she thought it was like cheating. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get so, that. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Nanny would try and find hiding places for her books, but the old woman somehow managed to find them always and throw them out. And when nanny's family actually was able to break away from the farm to come visit, they were not permitted to stay past supper. Whoa. Yeah. That's kind of jacked so up. The only, yeah. Yeah, extremely. The only time that Nanny was able to get away from Mother Braggs was when she would slip off for a smoke break. And uh, <clears throat> so the, the old woman hated the smell of cigarettes, and she stirred clear of Nanny while she was smoking. So Nanny... Started smoking about two packs of cigarettes a day. Whoa. <clears throat> yeah. Good thing they're good Nanny for else, you. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> back then. <laughs> back then, yeah. She she also took up drinking as a means of escape, but the alcohol mixed with her head trauma just sent her into depression bouts. Yeah. So she felt like eh, this isn't really for me at this point. Um, there was one thing that kept Charlie on Nanny's side, and that was sex. At first, she allowed him to have it whenever he wanted, but the longer that she was treated poorly, the more his touch started to repulse her. And she began to make sure that every time they had sex, it would wind up in a pregnancy. Okay, so she she started planning it out like, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they had four daughters between 1923 and 1927. Oh my God. So Nanny was consistently pregnant for four years. With Nanny being pregnant on a semi-constant basis, James started to step out. Oh, sorry. Not James. Charlie. Yeah. Charlie started to step out. You're on a different husband already. Come on. I uh, I was on her father. Which oh, is yeah. Terrible. <laughs> um, Nanny was aware of his infidelities. And so when she got the chance, she would leave the kids with relatives and she would go to the gin mills, get sauced and sleep around. What? Charlie, what? Yeah, yeah. what? Shocker. <laughs> oh, you're going to leave me lonely? I'll don't worry. I'll find my own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Charlie started to take off for days at a time and Nanny was drowning in depression, loneliness and kids. Melvina was her firstborn and also her favorite child. And Nanny started to long for the days when Melvina had been the only child. One day, Charlie came home from one of his three-day disappearances to what seemed like the whole town in his home. As he made his way through the house, everyone was offering him condolences. He thought maybe his mother had passed away. But when he got to the living room, she was sitting next to Nanny, who was holding the baby, baby Florence, and was running her fingers through Melvina's hair. Charlie looked around for their other two girls. And when he couldn't find them, he asked, where are the girls? James grabbed Charlie by the elbow and yanked him into the other room. Had Charlie been home and not out on an unexplained disappearance, he would have known that the whole town was there because something had been wrong with the grains used to make the breakfast porridge and the girls had died of food poisoning. Nanny and Mother Braggs rarely ate breakfast. Melvina wasn't very hungry that morning and had only eaten some toast and the baby was still breastfeeding. It's a good cover. It's a really good cover. Yeah. Yeah. So shortly after the girl's funeral, Charlie started to sense that Nanny's grief was all for show and attention. He couldn't shake the feeling that Nanny had done something to kill their girls. He said he looked in her eyes and he just saw nothing. It's like she had dead eyes. Like, like she was, mm-hmm. she was not there anymore. He had checked yeah. out. He, uh, he packed his bags and he grabbed Melvina and he fled. He would have grabbed baby Florence as well, but Nanny was in the process of nursing her when he took off. And he knew if he didn't get out of there right that moment, he's a a dead man. He was going to die and possibly so would his last remaining daughters. Yeah. Mother Braggs was beyond shocked by her son's actions and in her ailing condition, she couldn't care for the home alone. So Nanny and Florence continued to live with her and Nanny took work in a cotton mill. She cared for the little family and she kept the bills paid. Mother Bragg's health continued to decline and she started to have constant stomach pain. 
Dum, dum, well, dum. Right? Nanny was a fantastic cook, and she would make her foods that the old woman could easily chew and digest. Would you like And that included print? Nanny's favorite, famous, stewed prunes. Mm, prunes are and good. Mother Braggs loved Nanny's stewed prunes. Mother Braggs passed away in the summer of 1927, and... The whole town turned up again to offer condolences and praises to Nanny for taking such good care of the woman, even though she had been so cruel to her and that her son had abandoned his family. Well, Charlie reemerged. Yeah. (laughs) Charlie reemerged in the summer of 1928 with Melvina, a woman and a young boy who was referring to him as dad. Hmm. Nanny met them at the front door and decided that instead of causing a scene, she was going to keep her dignity. So she went back into the house. She packed a few of her and the children's things. And then on her way out, she took Melvina from Charlie's unresisting arms and walked away. But not before she gave Charlie a bone chilling look that filled him with terror all over again. He knew with that look beyond a shadow of a doubt that by Nanny the way, I been. killed your fucking mom. How you like me now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Nanny and the girls moved to the Hazel family farm. Charlie served Nanny with divorce papers, which cited his infidelities as the reason for divorce. And their eight year marriage was dissolved. So she actually Nanny, got out of that one. <clears throat> she, yeah. Well, when I say, got he, out when of I that say one. she, I meant he. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Now, she still killed three people in the process, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Victims yeah. one, two, and three, all within a year of each other. It's nuts. Yeah. Just like Nanny. Uh, Nanny's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Nanny made the argument again that it would be better for her parents to care for the girls and and for her to go out and work. Right. So Nanny took work at a cotton mill in Anniston, and again, she started to scour the Lonely Hearts ads. She knew this time would be different since now she had sexual experience and knew what gentlemen wanted to hear. She also sent along a few pictures of herself and some of her baked goods. The baked goods would probably do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She caught the attention of Robert Franklin Harrelson. Uh, who went by Frank. He would write her poetry and send her gifts. And one day Frank showed up at the Hazel farm to meet Nanny in person. He was very handsome and very charming. Frank proposed after two months, Lou and James did not want to lose the kids and they didn't like Frank, but Nanny wasn't getting her parents approval this time. She didn't care. She and Frank married in 1929 and the little family moved to Cedartown, Georgia. Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. (laughs) For the first little while, their marriage was good. Nanny knew that Frank liked to indulge in the drink every now and again. And due to prohibition, he had this habit of hiding his moonshine around the yard. Mm, That's right. Now, this one is the weirdest one for me because she stuck with this guy for so long and took Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. much shit from this guy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, Go on. What, no, you're good. <laughs> so, um, even though prohibition had ended, 
Frank was never able to to let go of the habit of burying his booze in the yard. Even after, yeah. Just like, yeah. yeah. He's like, I don't want to get caught. Or maybe he was just hiding it from Nanny. Could have been that too. Yeah, he could have been. Um, Frank started staying out later and later. And then one night, Nanny got a call telling her to come pick up her husband. He had been in a bar brawl while out drinking with his buddies and had been arrested. Nanny decided she was going to do some digging and surprise. Frank didn't just indulge some. He was an alcoholic who tended to get a bit violent when he had a few. So what you're saying is there was a reason he was using these Lonely Hearts ads. Because nobody nobody in town would touch him because they all knew he was a giant stinky piece of shit. Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So Nanny also found out that um, the real reason that he had left his last town was because he had a reputation for being an alcoholic violent and he had a criminal record so that's why he was moving to cedar town to begin with oh that makes sense Mm -hmm. so after the arrest nanny decided she was gonna try a few tactics to help keep frank away from the booze boobies she's gonna rip out those boobies and show (laughs) she might have (laughs) those tactics all failed so she decided she was going to go out with him and match him drink for drink. Oh, wow. Yeah. Indiana but, Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark style, huh? Just. Yeah. <laughs> this plan ended up getting her in some trouble. They, uh, there was one time when they waited for Melvina to get home from school and they took the, the teenager to her friend's house, but they forgot about Florence who was still in <laughs> elementary and hadn't gotten home yet. Oh my God. So they just. <laughs> Best so the couple parents went out ever. on a, yeah, yes. Parents of the year. <laughs> oh, wow. The couple went out on a bender for several days. And after two days of Florence being alone, the police showed up and took her to her father's house. Charlie didn't know what to do and neither did his new family. So all of them kind of walked around on eggshells and then Nanny showed up to collect the girl nanny obviously could give a shit less about her daughter but she'd be damned if she was gonna let charlie have her so nanny decided to sober up yeah Yeah. vindictive (laughs) hateful nanny decided to sober up but frank didn't he got worse and he actually started to hit nanny and the girls yeah this is this is the part i don't understand but continue with the abuse the spousal abuse Yeah. So Melvina uh, was 18 now. And much like her mother, she knew that the only way out was going to be through marriage. So she started to date Mose Haynes. And that's a bitchy name, though, isn't it? Mose Haynes. (laughs) It's kind of hard to say. (laughs) Nanny decided that she was going to intensely scrutinize the young man. She was not going to let Melvina end up in an unhappy marriage the way that she had. Right. Nanny decided that she approved of Moe's and Melvina and Moe's decided to marry in 1942. A year later, the couple graced Nanny with a grandson named wasted, Robert Lee Haynes. They wasted, wasted zero time. no time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Florence moved in with Melvina to try and escape Nanny and Frank and help with the new baby, but her 
plan backfired some because Nanny actually proved to be one hell of a grandmother to Robert. Really? And that helped rebuild the bond between Melvina and her mother. So she started to spend a ton of her time at Melvina's house. Don't uh, you change the baby like that. Give me that baby. I'll show you how to do it. Yeah. So Nanny began to panic in 1944 when Melvina and Mose announced that they would be having another baby. And she she flipped it because she was like, hey, I've done this. This is the this is not what you want to do. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, so she saw Melvina's life turning into her own and she didn't want that for her daughter. Melvina went into labor in 1945 and called for her mother. So after several, this was a, an extremely difficult, difficult yeah. yeah, pregnancy, difficult delivery, um, where Robert had not been. He was super easy baby. She had him really fast. It, this one was very, very different. Yeah. Um, so after several agonizing hours of contractions and a close call to her own life from being administered too much ether, Ooh. Melvina finally delivered a healthy little girl. She was groggy from the ether and too exhausted to hold the baby, so doctors turned and handed the little girl to her grandmother. As Melvina drifted off, she could have sworn she saw her mother push a hat pin into her newborn soft spot. When Melvina finally awoke, she learned that the baby ended up not making it. What kind of Melvina sick confided, fuck can kill a baby like that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Melvina confided in her sister Florence, and she told her what she thought she had witnessed as she dozed off in her groggy state. Well, Florence told Melvina that when their mother had come out to tell her and Mose that the baby had actually passed away, she was making a hat pin dance in her fingers. Ooh, dun, 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 sick fucking bitch. Yes, <laughs> very. Yeah. So Melvina, she just, she couldn't believe that her mother would murder her child, especially not with the way that she treated Robert. It's not her first so, rodeo though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Due to the loss of the baby, Melvina and Mose, their marriage began to crumble. And Melvina started to call on her mom every weekend to look after two-year-old Robert. She was telling her mother that she was going to travel back to Blue Mountain to visit with her dad because there wasn't much going on there and she really felt like she could clear her head. Yeah. Well, it didn't take long for rumors to spread back to Nanny of what Melvina was actually doing. She had started to drink and had taken on a new lover. So she's following in her mom's footsteps, basically. Oh, yeah. Step for step. Yeah. Step for step. So one weekend, Melvina came to drop Robert off, and Nanny decided she was going to confront Melvina about the rumors. And they got into a huge argument. Melvina threw everything Nanny had done to destroy her life in back in Nanny's face. I mean, she was like, listen... You let this man abuse us. You did all of these things. Don't you dare tell me what I can and can't do. Just basically take your grandson. Be happy that I even let you see him and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Or get the fuck out. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Nanny stood there stunned and that gave Melvina time to slip away. But she slipped away alone. 
she left baby Robert with nanny. Oh, bad call. Bad call. The next day with her mind still preoccupied with the argument and running on no sleep, nanny cared for her grandson and she even made him cookies. Yes. And encouraged him to eat more and more. Yes. And more. Yes. Robert started to become pretty sluggish throughout the day and he went to bed early. Unfortunately, he did not wake up. Yeah. Melvina was nowhere to be found and she did not find out until Sunday when she came back to her mother's house to pick up her son that he had passed away. The responding doctor. So we're up to four dead kids now. We're up to four dead kids. Four dead fucking kids. These are Mm -hmm. all related to her, by the way. Yes. This bitch is fucked up. Yes. Yes. Uh, the doctor who responded to Nanny's call listed baby Robert's cause of death as caught death, which uh, I'm pretty sure is what we refer to as SIDS today. SIDS today, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Frank and both daughters were not sure that they agreed with the doctor's diagnosis. Yeah, they're, I'm pretty sure they're all like, oh, shit, we're next. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Melvina and Florence both wrote their mother off. Like, they're like, uh, no, that's, we're done. Yeah. And Frank started getting into a lot of fights in the bars because it's wartime and factory workers had been banned from being sent to the war as they were needed stateside. No, Frank... Frank was kind of a pussy, though. He didn't want to go. He didn't. Exactly. He didn't volunteer before the ban was placed. Yeah. Yeah. So that really pissed off other men yeah. who, who from the very get of the war, weren't allowed to volunteer and they had wanted to. Yeah. So he ended up getting arrested several times and each time Nanny would have to pick him up. And then the day came when it was announced that the war was finally over. And the factories closed up early for everybody to be able to go celebrate. This time, Frank was not arrested, but he had gone out bar and party hopping with his buddies. Everyone was beyond shit-faced. And nobody had a way home. And Frank was pretty far away. So he had to resort to calling his wife. Dun, dun, but dun. When she, <laughs> when she showed up to get Frank, um, Frank was super excited about the war ending. And the drive home was actually full of cheer and excitement. They were laughing and joking. It was like when they were first married. And that got Frank a little excited. And when they got home, he wanted sex. Nanny had no interest, but she allowed him to kiss her. But when he started trying to take it too far, she tried to push him away. He shut it down. Frank wasn't going to accept that. Yeah. So he actually attacked her. He pushed her against the wall and twisted her arm behind her back. And to the point that she thought it was going to snap and he, she just, she couldn't anymore. So she gave in. Um, Frank raped her not once, but twice that night. Uh, this story just gets cheerier and cheerier. Lindy, Jesus Christ. Every I'm... time I swear to God, <laughs> trying yeah, to, I kind I'm of trying to think about funny, ones. funny things, little anecdotes I can add here and, Let's face it. There's just not a lot of funny things about this. <laughs> there's not. Not unless you want to do a sugar ad for sweet and stewed prunes. Mm, sweet and stewed prunes. Maybe I'll get mad to do that. 
Um, Frank had gotten away with a lot of shit in their 16 years of marriage. And that was the last straw. This was too far. And Nanny, she wasn't really sure of what to do. No, she was exact. She knew exactly what she was going to do. It was how she was going to do it. Yeah. So, but she, she went out to her garden for a little piece and found that her happy place, the place that no one was ever allowed to be in. It was just for her. It was where she slipped away to. It was, it was her garden. She, um, she saw that under her rose bush had been disturbed and that sent nanny into hysterics. She dug down to see what was so damned important that her husband disturbed her place of peace. She found a bottle of his moonshine. Uh Oh, so she decided to destroy his happy place and she poured a half inch of the moonshine out and replaced it with rat poison. She returned the bottle to its hiding place, and the next morning she found her husband's body outside on the front sidewalk, and she called the police. And she got away Not with it again. Not before she washed out the bottle of moonshine, but... Christ. Nanny she- actually received a pleasant surprise this time. Frank had life insurance, and it paid out really well. Yes, it did. And she didn't so even know that he bought- had it, right? Nope. Yep. No idea. And then a light so bulb. So somehow... A light bulb goes Somehow off he right? had kept his job and everything else through all of his drunken shit. And they kept paying for his life insurance. So Nanny bought 10 acres of land and she built herself a little cottage that was more like a library than a house. Full of romance and novels. Yes. And she subletted the land out to farmers to pay for receive the, a steady income. Yeah. And she's set. Yeah. And then she decided... Uh, This time that she was going to take out her own ad in the Lonely Hearts column. Hmm. So with Nanny's newly found wealth, she started to travel around. And while she was traveling, she met up with some of her suitors. So her current favorite correspondent was a man named Arlie Lanning out of Lexington, North Carolina. So Nanny made the trip to Lexington and stayed for a few days. She returned home and they continued writing back and forth. They also made plans to be married and soon Nanny moved in with her new husband it only took a month for arlie to mess up he was also an alcoholic and a womanizer so it's we're continuing the pattern here yep yeah so he got a little too tipsy and fell asleep at the house of one of the women he was sleeping with and even though he got home just two hours late He found a note next to his cold dinner that read, took a trip, be back soon. When Nanny returned, uh, Arlie made a promise to stop drinking and he kept it for a short time. He slipped up again and again found a note next to a cold dinner. This time Nanny left for about a month. Oh, wow. Yeah, this pattern just kept on for a few years. And then a flu virus spread through Lexington. Hmm. And um, Arlie's buddies were just dying off left and right. He had nobody to go out drinking with. And so this time he actually stayed home and was true to his word. Because, yeah, he, he there's nowhere, nowhere for him to escape to. Yeah. 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 So he was home consistently for three months and sober. And Nanny wasn't used to that. She wasn't used to being able to take off. So she slipped into a dark mood. And for the first time, 
Arlie saw his normally perfectly coiffed homemaker wife get lazy with herself and the home. When she finally pulled out of the depression, she apologized and made Arlie his favorite pie, which sounds awful to me, but it was sweetened stewed uh, prunes with apples. So a lot of sweet stuff, right? A lot of sweet stuff. Mm. Yeah. And antifreeze is kind of sweet too, from what I hear. And what else is kind of sweet? Um, is it, it's cyanide. It tastes like almonds, right? That's what I hear. Yeah. 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 Um, so the next morning, Arlie didn't wake up. <gasps> or, well, actually he did, but he was unable to get out of bed. Shocker. And yeah. Nanny called the doctor, but the doctor was swamped from all of the flu cases. And by Nanny the time called he... the doctor and the doctor said, <laughs> sorry, I'm not going to make it before your husband dies in his bed. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm not going to make doctor... it before your husband dies in his bed. That doesn't quite rhyme, but it's close. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> um, by the time the doctor did make it, he early had passed and the doctor listed his cause of death is the flu. Yeah. So Arlie had not changed his will when he and Nanny got married. And so their home was awarded to his sister. <gasps> what? Yeah. And Nanny secretly pissed. Not she. Not secretly pissed. She's just keeping it quiet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, she, she said she finds a clause, right? In the she does. Yeah. She does. So she decided she was going to ship most of her things back home uh, to her little cottage in Alabama. And she was going to stay in Lexington and go live with Arlie's mom to help everyone get through their grief. What a sweet um, lady. What a sweet lady. Right? Just after Nanny's stuff was taken and shipped back, the house caught fire. This and it was houses on fire. <laughs> it was before Arlie's sister had actually taken possession of it. And since Nanny was the holder of the insurance policy, oh, she got paid out. She got paid for the out. loss. Oh, so she found yes. the loophole and she got paid and she got paid. So people all over town were claiming that the fire was arson and that Nanny had started it. Nanny heard the rumors, but Arlie's mother had fallen ill. Shocker. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and Nanny was too busy caring for her to care about what people were saying. So the old woman was now bedridden and had very little strength. It was difficult for her to eat or digest anything. Nanny, being the loving, caring daughter-in-law that she was, was sticking around and making her food that she could easily chew and digest and that, again, included her famous sweet and stewed prunes. Mm, sweet and stewed prunes. Yuck. It should come as no surprise at this point that Arlie's mother passed away. And this is like, we're talking like what? Like within a, a, a month or a few couple weeks? weeks. Yeah. Within a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. The town She's was just so apologetic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just taking them off her list. The town was so apologetic. Nanny had lost so much in such a short time. They also took note that Arlie's mother's house was willed to her daughter 
Um, and nothing happened to this house. Right. So the suspicion on Nanny for arson just went away. It was more like a, and, all right, bitch, here's your consolation prize. I, I took that house, but you can have this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, actually Arlie's sister and Nanny were back in really good graces, like communication yeah. and yeah. And when Arlie's sister took her to drop her off at the train for her to go back to her home in Alabama, um, she was, they were super like sisters forever. BFF. All right. All right. BFF. All right. When I got home. All right. Sounds good. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So Nanny left North Carolina, went back to her little cottage in Alabama. But as soon as she returned home, she received a letter informing her that her younger sister, Debbie, was extremely ill and was not expected (sighs) to live. Shit. So she's just like, well, let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Where are we? Seven? Up to seven? Is that right? Six or seven. Debbie is. Yeah. She's like, fuck it. You know, it's just. Knock another one off the list. Seventy. Yeah. Uh, Debbie is actually eight. That's what I meant. Seven before this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Nanny knew she needed to do the sisterly thing, and she immediately packed her bags and headed to Southern Alabama. Jesus. She knew that Debbie would not be getting better, and so Nanny tended to her house. She cleaned it. She got it back in order. And she started cooking for her sister, yeah. making sure to feed her sister her prunes to help with her troubled bowel. Oh, what a sweet, sweet lady. Yes. Debbie passed away and Nanny made her funeral arrangements. She sent word out to her family and her mother and father didn't bother to attend the funeral. Mm. So... Nanny pressed her family for the reason and found out that James had actually passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. So this made Nanny super emotional, super conflicted. She, um, she returned to her cottage to deal with it and storm and work herself out because she had hated her father, but. The reason that she was upset was because she had honestly hoped to be the cause of his death. It's like, damn it. Missed that one. Mm -hmm. That's the one I can't scratch off my list. Yeah. So she cleared her head and she went to see her mother for the first time since she had left with Frank all those years ago. And does she kill her? (laughs) In other news. Uh, Lou again was in a bad way. She was about to lose the farm to the bank. None of her children were willing to take her in and she was not able to care for herself really in her advanced age. Nanny realized that it was going to fall to her to take care of her mother. And she took care of her. All right. Yeah. So Lou's body was older than her years from a life of hard labor and abuse. So when she became ill and bedridden, nobody really thought it to be odd. Yeah. Soon after Nanny's arrival, Lou passed away. It was like, what, three months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty quick. So Nanny made her way back to her cottage again, and she realized this time that she was becoming a bit old and a bit round in figure from all of her 
extravagant eating habits. Mm, too many, um, too many prunes. <laughs> so instead of using the Lonely Hearts ads this time, she decided she was going to join what's known as the Diamond Circle Club. And that's just for more mature men. Okay. And pretty soon she received a letter from Richard Morton. And she arranged to travel to Kansas to meet him. For reasons unknown to me, Nanny fell in love with the Kansas City scenery. Um, she loved the yeah, she loved the train ride there. Um, she had never been able to see a sprawling landscape before because she'd always been surrounded by like forests. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, I don't get it. I've yeah. made that drive. It's Can but Kansas it, is boring. Kansas Kansas City is is okay. I, I'm assuming you know for the cityscape, but uh, yeah, it's mm -hmm. just like, hey, look, there's a field and hills and more fields and just <laughs> fields. It's like driving through the middle of Illinois. It's just like, hey, look, there's another cornfield. Oh, wait, wait, bean field. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, well, for some reason, she loved it, but she also. Fell in love with Richard like instantly when she got off the train. Oh, he's the one. This is the one. He's the yeah, one. Yeah, Richard. Oh man, he had movie star good looks. He was. He had money and he was quite fit for his age. Okay. I think he was. So like you're, what you're saying is he had a huge whanger. <laughs> he had a huge whanger. Uh huh. So uh, they had a strong connection and were married within a month. Wow. Yeah, so she's fast. This marriage was incredible. She felt like a princess. Richard lavished her with expensive gifts, kisses, and his time. But then she noticed that his trips to town were starting to take longer and longer. Ah. He liked a bit and of that adultery, did he? <laughs> so... Richard took Nanny into town for a hair appointment, and while she was at this hair appointment, she found out that she was not the only woman that was receiving this treatment from her husband. Oh, okay. There were several others, and one in particular who was quite a bit younger. He had some sides on the side. Yeah. Mm. So, she wasn't hanging around this time. She had no reason to. She started to intercept his mail and found out through his bank statements he was going broke quick yeah and she wasn't gonna allow him to pull her into financial ruin so one day richard brought home another lavish gift and to thank him she baked him an apple pie he savored every bite well at least he they switched to, to apples this time no prunes yeah yeah uh i wonder if richard maybe didn't like prunes could be so they went to bed and Richard simply never woke up. Police cited a heart attack due to his age as his cause of death. Nanny, knowing that Richard had been adultering, mm -hmm. <laughs> she had continued her, her correspondence with a few of her suitors from the Diamond Club. And she agreed to meet Samuel Doss in Oklahoma. Samuel was a long shot for her, but I mean, he was nothing, absolutely nothing like her other suitors. He didn't try to charm her. He wasn't 
yeah. gifting. He wasn't anything. And she thought, well, hell, maybe I'll give that a shot. This is the minister guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was an honest man, a bit simple, hardworking, no nonsense. He was a highway inspector during the week and a preacher on Sundays. All right. One month after burying Richard, she married Samuel. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take her long to realize that Samuel was basically her father. I Except, I'm not sure if we mentioned this before or not, but like between her killing her mom, that was January of 1953, mm-hmm. right? And her killing mm-hmm. the last husband, that was in May, mm-hmm. the same year. It's, it's, it's quick. She She's killing people in quick succession. Yeah. She's getting... <laughs> All right. Okay. Continue with the yeah. continue with the killing. Go on. So, um, it didn't take it didn't take Nanny very long to realize that you know Samuel Samuel was her dad. He just didn't beat her. Yeah. So she wasn't able to handle Samuel's dictatorship, and she fled back home to her cottage, which I'm sure is where he wished he wouldn't have talked her. Yeah. To coming back from. Yeah. Uh, When she got there, a letter from Samuel had already arrived. He explained why she should come back to him. He didn't offer an apology, but he did offer to give her equal access to the bank accounts so she wouldn't have to ask him for money for household needs. And he did promise to try not to be so critical of her if she would try to live more like him, which was, you know, very frugal, very simple. Yeah. Yeah. He he wouldn't allow things like he, he didn't have a tell. They didn't have a television. He wouldn't allow the fan to be on. And, you know, even when it was super hot, he didn't do logs for the fire. If it was he cold, he did not like those romance novels either. Yeah. No, he hated the romance yeah, novels. He, he did not want those in the house. Yeah. Uh huh. So, so nanny did give it some thought and she decided to give him one more chance. And when she returned, she did bring some of her beloved books with her she cleared a spot on samuel's shelf and uh put her books there samuel lost his fucking shit they got into an enormous fight and he told her he would not allow such garbage to be in his home and he threw her books out and that was it pretty much sealed his fate Mm -hmm. yeah um samuel proved to be more difficult than her past husbands he did not have a sweet tooth and he was super frugal, so Nanny wasn't allowed to prepare any kind of lavish meal. She wasn't allowed to buy choice cuts of meat or anything. Right. Um, the one thing he did do was take coffee black with every meal. Okay. Um so I think she wanted I think she wanted this to be slow and painful for him, right? She she wasn't quite sure because he wasn't an alcoholic. She wasn't quite sure how much she needed to administer gotcha. um, for it to take care of business. Yeah. Take care of business. So she was doing more and more each time because she didn't want to overdo it. I guess I don't know why. Like, uh, I don't know if you're going to take somebody out. died a normal life. Had you yeah, I, I, not been stupid about this? Take him out. Yeah. If you're going to take him <laughs> yeah. out, take him out. Don't fuck around. Well, surprise, surprise, Samuel fell ill and he lost around 15 pounds super quick. Best His diet doctor, ever. Yeah. <laughs> cyanide. <laughs> oh. Recommended by physicians everywhere. Oh, fuck. <laughs> His doctor was stumped and had Samuel hospitalized. 
At the hospital, Samuel was treated for 23 days by Dr. Schwelbin, who was Schwelbin? an expert. Was he Schwel? Schwelbin. <laughs> Sounds like a Schwell doctor. <laughs> Sounds like a Schwell guy. I'm trying, people. He I'm was... trying. <laughs> he was an expert in gastroenterology. And Samuel was put on antibiotics and a super strict diet. He did recover, still somewhat shaky, but no longer on the brink of death. And he was allowed to return home. Well, that night, Nanny didn't listen to her husband, and she decided that she was going to prepare him a super lavish meal. And Samuel was ravenous from his time in the hospital. So he he was like, all right, I'm not going to complain. I mean, she made roast pork with all of the trimmings. And, of course, there was a steady flow of black coffee. She did not let his cup get empty. Yeah. Um, he experienced some stomach pain that night, but he attributed it to overeating. Yeah. And he went to bed. And that's the last thing he, he did. He died. Yeah. <laughs> he now, died. Did you mention the fact that she had taken out two life insurance policies on him? Because I think she did. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> she did have two life insurance policies on Samuel. Yes. yes. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Schwelbin couldn't shake the feeling that something was wrong. I mean, Samuel was... I mean, yeah, he was shaky, but he was in the clear. He shouldn't have relapsed like that. Right, right. So he wanted to perform an autopsy, but he needed his wife's permission. You couldn't do it on suspicion. That is, and she fucked up. She, well, he was smart as fuck. So he actually cornered her in a room full of people who were speaking to her. And he, he asked her. To allow him to do an autopsy because he thought that there might be an environmental contaminant and she would be saving potentially countless lives if she allowed him to do an autopsy on her late husband. Oh, for heaven's sake, then. If you must, you must. Yeah. So how do you a, refuse that? Yeah. So she thinks in a room she's full in the, of people. Yeah. She thinks she's in the clear and she's like, oh, of, of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she had no choice but to give consent. The autopsy revealed half a pork roast, trimmings, and enough cyanide to kill a horse. Arsenic, right? Arsenic. Uh, yes, arsenic. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, police took Nanny into the station for questioning. On the way to the station, Nanny kept going into bounds of hysterical laughter. Which is fucking odd, she, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like she... <laughs> Not like that, but... <laughs> yeah. It was... His, like it was hysterical for them to think in any way, shape or form that she could do anything to harm anyone. She got herself under control by the time they reached the station and was only just giggling through her questioning. She had brought along a magazine. I, I guess maybe they were hella lenient. I don't know from home and she was summing through it. The whole time that she was being questioned, just disinterested in anything. Right. Um, and the officers knew that she was guilty, but without a confession, there was no way they were going to obtain a conviction because nobody was going to believe that this good natured, lovely woman was a killer. Even the officers had a hard time getting over her grandmotherly image and they basically gave up. They were like, we, we don't know what to do. Well, Special Agent Ray Page had been extremely busy while she was giggling her way through the interrogation. And he 
found her timeline to be full of 12 very mysterious deaths. From the beginning, you know that Nanny confessed to poisoning Samuel Doss. Agent Page was also able to obtain confessions of murder for her other husbands, but she never confessed to harming anyone in her family. Mm. They did exhume the bodies of her victims, except they left her children alone. Yeah. Um, and all of those exhumed Had, victims were tested and, and found to be to have been poisoned. Yeah. Um, and she just like she laid this all out because they basically took her magazine away. Yeah. And they said, you want it back? Tell us. And then she just dropped everything. She just said, well, I, I guess I did kill all those people. <laughs> yeah. Can I have yeah. my book so, back now? Um, yeah. The, this, they only pursued a conviction for Samuel Doss. Even though they had proof on 10 of the 12 victims. Maybe it's, it was uh, because Oklahoma, she's getting convicted in Oklahoma and all these other uh, cases were out of the state, different states. That's yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, one's, one's enough to like put her. Yeah. One's enough. To, one's enough. Especially at that time in Oklahoma, she, you know, she, she could have been sent to the chair. She could have been, um, nanny was found competent to stand trial, but it wasn't necessary. She pled guilty and she was sentenced to life in prison, uh, instead of the electric chair, Due to her age and her sex, yeah, which I believe is also how she, I believe that her sex played a part in how she ended up getting away with all of these murders. Oh yeah. Well, it, back in the day. When you think about it, I mean, that's, that's the person you would suspect the fucking absolute least, you know, it's like, yeah, you're, you're the one that's, you know, supposed to be the caregiver, the protector, to, the protector and, the and Nat. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good, um, good, good facade to hide behind for sure. Yeah. In a, uh, in a rather ironic turn of events, Nanny died from leukemia, which is blood poisoning on June 2nd, 1965 at the age of 59. And I think they say, uh, people that deal with arsenic, uh, tend to, uh, develop cancer. It's cancer causing, yeah. I believe so. She's yeah, killing she, them people uh, and she killed herself too. Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I probably not the brightest, yeah, but yeah. I mean, she, if she had left well enough alone after Frank and had just kept getting paid out yeah. the way that she was, she could have just been set. Yeah. She could have lived a nice little um, life reading her little romance books and yeah. Yeah, and 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 still been extremely lavish towards herself. It's um, but I guess you have to have love. Mm. She wanted she wanted something uh, that wasn't real. That's the problem. I yeah. Think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She she wanted a very fairy tale, and, very romance novel, and romance, and the person clearly... person that kept getting in her way was her. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's her own damn fault. I don't. I don't feel sorry for this lady at all. I wish they would have taken. No. Wishing her would have taken her out after she killed the first kid, uh, first two yeah. kids. Um, been a lot cheaper and yeah. What a, what a yes. What a fucking yeah. What a fucking cunt. How about that? I said it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember 
I read a couple, I read a couple things on this. I didn't really dive real deep into it. I think I've heard this story before a couple of times, but I remember she gave an interview and, you know, she said she, and, and she would, she had it pretty well in the Oklahoma penitentiary she was in, but she said, you know, for some reason they just won't let me help in the kitchen, even when they're shorthanded. <laughs> and I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, she did receive a ton of letters from, from male fans, female fans. Yeah. Now, and... would you send me your recipe for them special prunes? Cause, uh, <laughs> I have a little issue. <laughs> my, my husband just, he's having a hard time going to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, she did. And she, which ultimately, you know, she, I think her, I don't know. She was a lonely woman in, well, she was a lonely child, yeah. I should say. Yeah. And, and I just, she just never got over being lonely. I mean, she was lonely in quite a few of her marriages also. Yeah. But. A lot of that was uh, self-inflicted though. I mean, you know, like, yes. like we said earlier, you know, she didn't know better. She didn't know what a good relationship was with a man because the only mm-hmm. example she had was her dipshit stepdad. So, mm-hmm. uh, what a piece of shit. Uh. Yeah. Don't beat your kids. Don't, don't allow your family to have their way with them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you decide to take on a stepchild, they're still your child. You're still yeah. supposed to protect them. Yeah. Once created equal. Hold, mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, we got that bitch knocked out. Boom. <laughs> One more piece of yes. shit off the list, Lindy. One more. <laughs> One more down and a hundred million to go. We're never going to run out yeah. of material for this podcast, unfortunately. Oh, no. They just keep adding themselves every yeah. day. Well, do you, so. you got anything else? No. Nope. That was, that's everything I have on Miss Nanny Doss. Nice job. Well done. Um, Thank you. You guys, thanks for hanging out once again. Um Please continue to like, rate, and review the podcast. If you need to hit us up, you can do so on the website, HMFPPOD at dot com. Sorry. And uh, don't forget about the live streams every Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube Live and Facebook Live. Uh, once again, you can find us there at HMFPPOD. Um, and that's all I got. So until next time, I'm Zach. I'm Lindy. And we will see you next Tuesday. Later. Bye. It's evil! Don't touch it! It's alive! They're coming to get you. This is me. Hello, Mr. Fan.